Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women of all ages and all stages of menopause. And it's become a phenomenon. I hear that a bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony is by Happy Mammoth, the company dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients like herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to stressors, including hormonal changes that naturally occur throughout a woman's lifetime. They can help alleviate hot flashes, night sweats, and that feeling of being tired all the time. The biggest benefit, feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in the more than 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code DATINGWALLGRAY at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code DATINGWALLGRAY for 15% off today. For me, getting back out there means sprucing up my date night wardrobe, but I don't necessarily want to have a lot of extra stuff to hang on to. That's why I was happy to find out about Armoire. It's a clothing rental service, and it really takes away the stress about what to wear. For a monthly fee, members get access to high-quality designer clothing for any occasion. Just take a five-minute style quiz to get suggestions, and then pick what you want. The clothes arrive in as little as two days. One of the items I chose is a green v-neck wrap dress that works for both business and pleasure. And here's one thing I really love. Armoire is women-founded and women-led. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash gray. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash gray to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This is Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. I'm Laura Stasi. If you're like me, you'd rather talk about anything but your bank account. Stick with me. We're going to face it together on this episode of Romance and Money. When it comes to older people and money, here are two facts. Number one, time is not on our side. We have more earning years behind us than ahead of us, and there's less time for any invested dollars to grow. Number two, some of us, especially if we're uncoupled, are worth less than we used to be. Maybe we lost a job and couldn't find another one that pays as well, or we got overwhelmed with medical bills for a dying spouse. Maybe we got divorced and divided it all up. And unless we're like Jeff Bezos, who split a multi-billion dollar pot in his gray divorce, we're feeling pinched. So I think it's understandable that a lot of gray daters are uncomfortable talking with potential partners about money. We may feel uneasy about our personal financial picture. What details should you reveal about what you have, what you want, what you need. We worry we'll be judged. I know I judge. I roll my eyes if ever a date tells me about all the money he had to pay to the ex-wife who stayed home to raise their kids. 
Does he seriously believe that has no value? Not to mention enabling him to focus on his career. Maybe I'm not being completely fair. He really could have gotten a bad deal. And now he wants to make sure women are not interested in him only for his money. In fact, some of us have been so financially burned that we literally can't afford to be vulnerable. It's a lot to think about. So I've asked for help from someone who usually looks at money from an uncoupling point of view. My name is Sean Lehman. I am a certified divorce financial analyst. To be honest, I didn't even know such a job existed. Sean uses his expertise in tax laws, asset distribution, and financial planning to help people get equitable divorce settlements. And, interesting fact, he's also studied philosophy. One of the great things about philosophy is that you're forced to think about all sides of an issue. The philosophy degree helps with that. is why do you think this way? What's your motivations? Um, How did you come to these conclusions about life, about money, about what you want out of life? Throughout this episode, Sean will be giving us his tips on dealing with money and romance. First, though, I asked him if older people are more reluctant to question their personal beliefs about money. I think that attitude has shifted a lot. 50 and 60 and and even approaching the 70-year mark, they approach life as if they're 22. Mm. Um, (laughs) Not saying they're out partying in a club or anything like that every (laughs) night, but uh, they still have a lot of vigor for life. We're in an era now where if you're 50, you're just getting warmed up. It's okay to know who you are. And uh, that's different, right? You may have core principles or you may have a really clear sense of self, but that doesn't mean that you're inflexible or set in your ways in in any means. And, you know, we all still have ways that we can improve. I like your uh, use the term core principle. Would you say the way you handle money or think about money is a core principle? I think so. I, I think everyone has their views or when we talk about philosophy is actually, I think everyone should have a philosophy uh, in terms of how they think about money. One of the things or exercises I like to go through with people is how do you want to use your money? Do you want to have substantial savings? Do you treat money as something to acquire things like car collectors or like art? Or do you treat money as a way to buy experiences? Or do you want to treat money as a way to invest in your kids? How much debt are you willing to put yourself in for certain things and for what causes? Or what about medical bills? There's lots of kind of core areas even within money in terms of how you think it should be used and what's meaningful for you. I mean, money itself is purely a tool, right? And so that tool you get to uh, decide or you should think about how you want to use that tool for your future or for other people's future Let's just say two people are on equal financial footing. What if one person likes to spend a lot and one person likes to save? How do you navigate that element of a relationship or future new relationship from dating? And so uh, one of the things I I do all the time is I say, hey, write down your top five thoughts about how you want to use your money. You know, what you said just really struck me as you could have a very robust conversation about money as a value? How do you like to spend money or what's important to you? What do you want to do with it? You know, I think there's a lot of fears and pent up emotions and and things that we all bring to the table from how we grew up to how we've lived. 
and how hard we've worked, right? You know, if you've been earning for, for 30 years or 40 years and you're retiring and you're like, I've earned this. There's so much tied up into it, but it's okay. There, there's nothing wrong with that. One thing is to know what you have, right? If you don't know what mm-hmm. your own plan is, I wouldn't be worried too much about what someone else's plan is. When you're just venturing out, find someone who's compatible. Most of relationship time is spending time with someone, not spending money. Um, And so make sure you like that person for who they are, not how many zeros are in their bank account. If you are getting serious or you want to, don't be afraid to have those conversations. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It may be uncomfortable at first for about two minutes when you bring it up and say, hey, can we chat about money and our life and our goals? But if you are planning for another 10 or 5 or 10 or 30 years with someone else, you're going to have to bring it up and it doesn't have to be hard or scary. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Talking about money. As Sean said, it's a necessary conversation with the right person. And it's not a one and done kind of thing. A woman I'm calling Ginny learned that lesson the hard way. Ginny was married to her college sweetheart for 25 years, and for a long time, money wasn't a problem. From the time we got married, we kind of had a division of household bills and responsibilities because his income was more. He tended to be the one that was responsible for paying rent when we were first married and then, you know, mortgages after we uh, were able to purchase our own home. Then several years ago during the recession, Ginny's husband got laid off. He landed some consulting work, but consulting can be unpredictable. Ginny wanted to make a plan to save more money, to make sure they could cover their bills during the downtimes. But her husband, he's more seize the day. So when they weren't arguing about money, they were avoiding the subject. Ginny had no idea how bad things had gotten until the early days of the pandemic. This was mid-March. And there was a loud knock at the door. I went to go answer it and there was no one there, but there was a summons that had been taped to the front door. You're at home. I'm at home. And there's a summons taped to your front door. My first thought was, oh, they must have the wrong house. This isn't for, for us. But then when I pulled it off and looked at it, it was a summons for court related to our home, which had been apparently sold at auction. Wait a minute. To sell a home at auction, that means the mortgage has not been paid for how long? So it had been six months. Had you seen any notices in the mail? No, no, I hadn't. And, you know, I I worked pretty long hours and my husband worked for himself and had switched to online. So he was home. So as this ruse unraveled, you know, I came to find out that no, there had been a number of notices that had come, but he had intercepted them. So you had no idea he was not paying the mortgage? None. I mean, I'm a smart, educated woman with several graduate degrees. And somehow, yes, I missed this big thing. And I wonder, I mean, surely he knew you're going to find out sooner or later. What was he thinking? It's like almost like a little kid you know, hiding the broken vase or something. I mean, that was even a lesson we taught our children. It's better, even if you have something that you've done that that you're going to get in trouble for or, or that isn't going to be, you know, a great idea, let us know before we find out because eventually those things catch up to you. 
Was he home when this summons was? Yeah. In fact, I was the one that was pulling it and reading it and he came and tried to take it out of my hand. And I remember us stepping outside into the backyard so that the kids wouldn't hear us. Oh, they were home too. They were. Because it's COVID. Oh my gosh. But I just was like, what in, what in the world? And what did he say? Oh, well, I was going to tell you and I haven't been getting paid on this one contract. I remember shaking with disbelief. We no longer own the house. When are we going to have to move? And a pandemic. And if you thought you might have had equity. I, yes, I did indeed. Yep. If he had come to you sooner, would you have been able to resolve the issue? I certainly had enough in investments, could have borrowed against that or, you know, taken some of that out and then come up with a plan to pay that back. I think for me, I would have set a time by which, you know, if he were not paid as he was supposed to have been for the contract work, then yeah, that probably was a time we would need to go ahead and sell the house. Do you believe that's what happened, that he wasn't getting paid and that's why he wasn't paying the mortgage? Or do you believe there was mismanagement or gambling or something else? That's immediately what I thought. Like, are are you gambling? Are you having an affair? Or, you know, do you have another family? I mean, you hear all these stories about these secrets that happen in marriage. Since we had a joint account, I was able to go back through and look at things. He hadn't been paid, but it also appeared that he was not consistently being paid for quite some time and that this should have been a conversation that we we should have had a long time ago. Oh, boy. You know, at this point, it, it had been a decade <laughs> of this stress. Yeah. And just instability, financial instability. I remember going for a walk and calling a girlfriend and calling my mom too, actually, and just telling them like what I had just discovered because it, it sounded so weird to even say it and enunciate it because it just seemed so implausible. Eventually those conversations ended up turning to trust and is it possible to regain trust? And I, the ultimate answer I had was no. So no, it was shortly thereafter that I decided to start making a plan for separation. Was this a joint mortgage you had on the home? It was. So now my credit has been ruined. I'm now renting. Even to be able to do that, um, my mom ended up co-signing for me, which was just embarrassing at 50 years old. And what about the kids? How did you tell them? So I think this is one of the things I still struggle with. The kids don't know the specific reason. Our daughter lives with me primarily. My son is angry with me that I moved out. Doesn't your husband have to move out too? No, he actually ended up working with his family to buy the house back, which is a whole nother therapy discussion, right? But you know what? I started working with a financial advisor Um, We're setting goals for retirement, but also ultimately for me to buy my own place. I am in the black every month and then some because I'm in control of my money and my finances. Uh And I just, I have stability and peace of mind, which I haven't had in 10 years. Yeah. I think I would be so angry. You seem so calm. Lots of therapy, Laura, lots of therapy. (laughs) I definitely have trust issues after all of this. And I think I have to figure out what do I want a relationship to look like? What do I want finances to look like? 
I am definitely gun shy about getting into another relationship. He didn't tell the kids. Oh. On the one hand, I understand wanting to shield teenagers from ugly details. However, this seems like dragging out a bad pattern of not talking about a really important topic. Look, I, I don't fault anyone for those kind of mistakes. Unfortunately, it happens every day, all the time to thousands of people. You know, the biggest thing I always say is, hey, look, it's all right. Start planning a good future and you're going to take charge of it uh, for the next 30 years of your life. On a broader level, it's staying informed. Check in on your financial situation. Make sure everything's in good shape. You know, check your own credit report. Look at your accounts once a month. We have a little bar in, in our kitchen. We take 10 minutes. You know, we pour, either pour a glass of wine or make ourselves some cocktails. Go over what happened for the week or for the month. Um, and then uh, move on, right? But, but it is both people being informed. I met another woman who, thankfully, has not had the experience of getting financially burned. She hasn't found a partner yet. Is she overly cautious, or has she set the bar too high? Or maybe her parameters are too narrow. I had a man say to me, you don't need a man. Well, I don't financially need a man. Yeah, I don't socially need a man. I would like a partner, but this person needed to be needed. We'll talk with Sue after the break. Is there anything more awkward than talking about money? Well, how about sex? It'll get awkward on an upcoming episode of Dating While Gray with a journalist who spent his entire career studying the topic. We'll take his research and mix it with your stories. Do you have questions or concerns about sex and sexual intimacy? Share them with me at datingwhilegray at wunc.org. Don't worry, we'll be discreet about the details. Email datingwhilegray at wunc.org. And thank you. Sue devoted her younger years to higher education and climbing the corporate ladder. And it paid off. She's now in her mid-60s, retired, and in great shape financially. Sue says she'd like to find the one, but so far, no luck. She does have an opinion about why. I have kind of developed what I call a little theory of there's a triangle of men and a triangle of women. And as you get higher up in the triangle, you know, more educated, intellectually curious, financially stable. And so not to pat myself on the back too much, I'm somewhere in that upper area of the triangle. And as such, I would like to find a man who is similarly situated. Very often, the men in that area of the triangle aren't necessarily interested in a woman who is similarly situated. They want someone a little bit farther down. A lot of men want a mentee rather than an, an equal, an intellectually curious partner. Let's talk about this triangle theory for a moment, because I think it might strike people as um, elitist. What makes you able to be at the top? Is it based on financial uh, worth, financial success, education level? I mean, how do you discern? Now that you say it, I've never thought about the fact that it sounded elitist. My grandparents were immigrants, and my grandmother worked to clean offices, and my dad was a blue-collar worker. And so I just think about 
you know, rising up from that initial way of life. I'm intellectually curious and educated. I own my own house, so I'm financially stable and should be comfortable in retirement. I have a season subscription to the Baltimore Speaker Series and to Signature Theater. I like to do those kinds of things. You know, so what I say is that if meeting somebody is going to take away something that I already have, you know, I don't know that how much I would be interested. I want somebody to to add and enhance what I have rather than take something away that I already have. You know, I don't know that I would be prepared while I have provided for myself financially. I don't know that I would be prepared and want to and be willing to financially support a partner. I think there are so many stereotypes, especially at this age. Like I posted something on the Dating While Gray Facebook page about a man in his early 70s who got married to a woman in her 30s. And, you know, the comments were, oh, you know, he's her purse and she's his nurse or something, you know, person and nurse. And I feel like that it's refreshing in many ways for a woman to be saying what you're saying. I've heard from men, especially divorced men who may have had financial setbacks because of their divorce. And they're like, look, you know, I'm just getting back on my feet. You know, I had to give my ex-wife half of my retirement pay. So I'm really looking for somebody who's financially independent. Uh, So I, I do like that it's a woman saying this. I've worked hard all my life. I don't want to compromise in any way that would make me feel uncomfortable. I'm hearing that from you. You're saying you don't want to compromise, that you've worked hard to achieve what you've achieved. And what's the point in giving up something? Right, because I do have a social circle. I don't have to have a man to do that. And I have early in my dating career in my 30s, I had a man say to me, you don't need a man. Well, I don't financially need a man. Yeah, I don't socially need a man. I would like a partner, an equal partner, but this person needed to be needed. He wasn't comfortable with me because I didn't need him in the way that he needed to be needed. I got an email from a man. He thinks financial independence might be code for, no, I want that you make a lot of money. So yeah, when I say financially independent, I don't mean a lot of money. I just mean somebody who has sufficient resources to Mm -hmm. support the life that they would like to live. I'm not extremely rich, and I'm not looking for somebody who's extremely rich. But again, going into retirement and to your um, perceived age of demise, you, you know, I have longevity in my family. I have one grandmother who was 99, another one who was 93. My dad was 87. I have looked forward to be able to support myself into the 90s. Somebody hearing this might think, okay, she must have been burned in the past. You know, maybe she has trust issues. How would you respond to something like that? I have had some good relationships. And yes, there are a few where I've been burned, where I thought that I was in a monogamous relationship. But, you know, am I so burned and damaged that I couldn't move forward? I don't think so. You have to have the same values. 
how is it that you ended up in debt? Is it because you, you, you took too many trips or you bought, you know, expensive watches and things? Well, I'm sorry. That's, that's a non-starter because that's not the way I live. I live within my means. And certainly I'm not going to be willing to bail someone out who frittered their, their money away. What if they didn't want you to bail them out? You know, let this guy just charge up the trip to Australia on his own credit card because it's not affecting you. I don't think I would be comfortable with that because if it does affect him, despite any kind of legal agreement, it would affect me. Emotionally, watching someone, you know, put themselves into debt. Again, I think the key is to have the same values. And if you do, they're not going to end up like that. So yeah, if they don't have similar financial values, I don't, I think that would be a non-starter. I think Sue might be making certain assumptions. Maybe these notions are preventing Sue from considering a wider range of romantic options. Only dating people who are in your tax bracket, so to speak. You know, you can. I I mean, everyone has their, I, I don't have any judgments either way. If you're dating someone and they start asking for a loan or they say, hey, can you pay for my kids X, Y or Z? That's when the red flags start coming up in terms of if that person is in it for the right reasons. But I have uh, plenty of, of people I've consulted with as well as some very close friends of mine who have dated people or who are currently married to remarried to people who are not an earner uh, or didn't earn nearly as much as, as they have. and. They had the the conversations and all is fine. It's just really being clear and open with that person as to what you want, what you need. And if you have concerns, definitely uh, being sure that you're protecting yourself and maybe not opening up a joint account with that person uh, after two months. You know, I've met people without college degrees who've had very high income careers. And I've met people with college degrees who haven't. And that brings me to Barry. Like Sue, he's in his mid-60s and he's retired. Barry enjoys going to concerts and plays and he's into fitness. And he's totally debt-free, like he outright owns his small condo and his car. But Barry thinks his relatively modest lifestyle has had a negative impact on his romantic life. It's an odd thing. I have always been right at the median income level. And of course, the median person has a love life. Um, but at the same time, the, the two experiences that made me concerned there were financial issues involved and in how I was being evaluated as a romantic partner were, were, were pretty strong. Can you tell me about them? The last few years, um, I would get first date after first date after first date and nothing beyond that. So finally, I had a first date where it, it just went great. There were none of those awkward lulls in the conversation. We were in a really good rhythm. And at the end of the evening, when I brought her home and I leaned in for kind of what I thought would be a very light peck on her lips, she just grabbed me and gave me this impassioned goodnight kiss that just left me feeling like, my God, you know, she really likes me. Yeah. So when she turned me down for a second date, I said, look, I need your help with something. I said, we're never going to see each other again. I'm going to break all the rules of dating etiquette. I said, this has happened to me again and again and again. I know you had a good time last week. And that's when she said, I've been very successful in my career. I'm not going to get involved with a man and risk compromising my lifestyle, her exact words, with a man who, you know, who's, who's, who's a social worker and drives a, you know, an old subcompact car. 
And she even, she went on to say, she had suggestions for me. She said, you bought that car new, didn't you? I said, yeah, I buy new cars. I pay cash for them. I don't have any debts and I don't have to worry about maintenance expenses. She said, yeah, but you could trade that car in and take out a loan and buy a used vet and you could sort of finagle the way you described your job to make it sound a bit higher level. And I said, thank you and hung up. And I thought, this is a very, very shallow woman. That's what, that's just crap. And That's my first thought. The woman who told you that you needed to be splashier, basically, was she your age? She was my age, yeah, yeah. She was a sales rep for, I think, uh, I think some kind of food company. Okay, okay. But you didn't know whether, it sounds like maybe she made good income, but you don't know if she was in debt or anything like that. You didn't know her, the details of her financial life. No, and that actually is one of the odd things about my financial status. Although I make a social worker's salary, I'm really good with money. I have no debts. I pay cash for everything. Um, I've invested well. I can honestly say I have no financial worries at all. I don't know anybody who can say that. So although I don't make much money, I've done well with what I've got. Living within your means and saving for retirement. It sounds like that's what you did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, on behalf of women everywhere, I want to say I'm very sorry. I didn't think things like this happened. Okay, but, but you know, I went to your podcast hoping to find women in this age group who would say things like, you know, now that I'm mature, I know just how important it is to have a deep emotional connection with a man. And I met this guy who was so easy to talk to. Now we're in an exclusive relationship. But that's not what I saw at all. Okay, tell me what you saw. There was the one who said she dated a guy for a while and they became exclusive. And I'm not sure if, if they were married just exclusive, but somehow it came up that she had been renting and couldn't afford to buy a condo, so he bought her one. There was the woman who, she met a guy, it was like a first lunch date, and, but it turned like a six hour long discussion, after which he, and I was sure the next line was gonna be, so he took me out to dinner that same night, or he, you know, he asked me out for another date, but instead it was he invited me to spend the weekend at his beach house. Okay, um, stop for just a second, because, okay, the woman who he bought her a condo, he bought a condo, but it was a, a kind of a business arrangement. They had been dating for a while. She insisted on paying him rent. And then the woman who they had a six-hour lunch, and then he invited her for the beach, they had been set up by a matchmaker. I don't think it was the fact that he was inviting her to the beach house and she was excited because that meant he had money. It meant like, oh my gosh, he's already invited me to go away with him. So I'm wondering if maybe, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, maybe this one experience with this one woman coupled with the car and the younger women flirting with you because you had this cool car, maybe this is causing you to see everything within the prism of financial status. What do you think? Well, yeah, that, that is certainly a possibility, but it was, it was just striking looking through the podcasts. The men that those women are associating with, all of them are many, many stages higher up on the income ladder than I am. Um, you have to wonder, I have to wonder at least, how would they feel about a guy who showed up in a five-year-old car and was content being a social worker? But I would also say if women are avoiding you because they don't see you as a source of income, that's a good thing, right? If there was someone who was recently divorced and might have a little credit card debt because she's putting two kids through college, would you be willing to meet them? 
I mean, if they were looking for a guy to help them with the credit card debt, that would be a red flag. If they were looking for a guy they could, who'd maybe take them out to a show and help them forget about the stress of having two kids in college and credit card debt, no, I'd be fine with that. I mean, I'd like to think it's possible that it, that it was something else. Maybe it's not money, and that's great, but then where, where does that leave me? Where does that leave Barry? Well, I think he just needs a little help selling himself, so to speak, because his financial situation is a positive quality. I mean, debt-free, why would anyone go thumbs down on that? Yeah, one of my very best male friends is, is in that same category. I mean, he's in his uh, mid-50s, and you know, his wife was a primary earner, and he's or now ex-wife, I should say. And, you know, he has his same doubts all the time. Money is just one piece of things, right? And if someone turns you away because you don't have enough money, I always say it's a good sign. This person as a social worker has done a great job. I mean, he's saved up. He's been financially uh, set. It's better than, uh, to me at least, if, if I were him, I'd be like, gosh, you're in better shape than... 98% of Americans out there because you're not trapped in debt. You're not trying to run on this treadmill where every month you're trying to keep up with all your payments and live some crazy lifestyle that you really can't afford. I know from seeing a lot of people's financials, there are a lot of people who live exceptional lifestyles from the outside who barely make it every month to cover their bills. Sean says you don't need to be wealthy to benefit from the services of someone like him. And to learn more, you can go to his website, divorceandyourmoney.com. You know, Sue mentioned values, but I had the light bulb moment when I talked with Sean. Money is a tool, and how we use that tool, like Sean said, that's a core value. So by thinking of it that way, I'm hoping it'll be easier when it's time to bring up the money topic with a potential partner. I haven't done it yet. It might be because I haven't met the one, but it's also just as likely because I'm still uncomfortable talking about money. I mean, if I were forced to choose between, I don't know, letting someone look at my bank account or letting them confirm the color of my underwear, uh, I don't know. Hold on, I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking. Seriously, though. If recoupling means getting comfortable with money talk, I'm willing to change. Dating While Gray is produced in partnership with North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. You can support this show with a donation or by becoming a member at wunc.org slash give. My thanks to producer Kamaya Truitt and editor Charlie Shelton Ormond. Our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt. And Lindsay Foster-Thomas is WUNC's Director of Content. There's much more about the show and every episode we've ever done at datingwhilegray.com. I'm Laura Stasi. Thanks for listening. Spring. 
Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.